Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 317 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the Chief Technical Officer at ThingLogix, a provider of Internet of Things solutions, solution components and advisory services. He has been actively involved in technology for nearly 30 years, including now what is known as Amazon's AWS IoT. As CTO of ThingLogix, he is the chief architect behind the company's groundbreaking IoT platform that eliminates the need for code. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Rob Rastovich. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Rob, obviously, Internet of Things is the focus of you, you and your, your company. Could you perhaps give us a bit of a an understanding of really what that term means? Because I think there's a lot of confusion when we talk about the internet of things it'd be good to get a, a sort of a clear view from you of what what that means in particularly from your company's perspective yeah it's it's it is a broad term and i think um everybody kind of uh hopped on the term um a few years ago and and it seems like everything is now iot everything from a um, business analytics application to firmware to cloud services so anything that you know, we use that term quite loosely, but essentially, at the end of the day, <clears throat> what IoT is is um, connecting things um, to the internet. So, uh, I guess the classic example is I can now have my refrigerator connected to the internet and send messages um, to vendors and stuff like that. Now, the question um, we won't debate it here is the the logic or the the um, the wisdom of connecting your refrigerator. But it is connecting things that um, typically weren't connected before. So when the internet first started, right, we all got connected. We all started sending emails. We learned about websites. You know, we learned about e-commerce. We could now talk to each other. We could send messages back and forth via, you know, um, chat now and email. And we could do FTPs and we could move files back and forth and all those kinds of things. We were connected, if you will. So the Internet of Things is now allowing um, devices, things, to do the same thing, send us messages. So the best example is really like a temperature sensor. Like I have, and you've, we've all seen those, you know, the Nest um, temperature sensor, the thermostat that's there. I have a temperature sensor that can now, it, and it doesn't send a lot, it's connected, it doesn't say very much. All it says is, it's 76 degrees, it's 76 degrees. It's now 77 degrees. So it doesn't, it's not a very interesting connection, but um, being able to take that data that comes from that particular sensor and then combine that with your connected thermostat, you can now start to make smart things. So once we start talking, once things start talking to each other, you can now add intelligence onto it. And really, that's where thing logics actually came about. We were, um, we were a startup company called Telemetry, uh, and we were trying to create a piece of uh, software that, you know, as you can imagine, you know, when once something starts connecting, if you connect one thing, that doesn't take a lot, but if you connect a million of those or a billion of those, 
that requires a whole different set of, you know, infrastructure and hardware and different, you know, things to manage all that. So we built that um, system uh, back in uh, 10 or 11, and then ultimately sold that to Amazon. And is that is today what is called the Amazon IoT. So um, essentially now all these little devices you can connect and they will be able to talk. And sometimes I always call it conversation, being able to talk to um, things just like you talk to um, other people via your you know, internet connection. Yeah, great. Thank you for that. That's, that's really helpful to get a bit of a sort of context, if you like, about what IoT really means. So good. Rob, can you maybe give us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yeah, that's always a good question. And it seems like, you know, I've gone through many iterations of my career from, you know, um, you know I actually didn't start as a, a programmer. I actually started in marketing. And then once the internet came around, you know, I kind of got the bug um, and started learning to program and, you know, I became a Java programmer and moved all the way up. <clears throat> I guess the, the one thing that has been constant as I thought about your question um, prior the one thing that has always been constant is um, the need to constantly be learning. The problem, the thing with our industry is it's never the same. And there's new technologies. I mean, when I started, you know, we had HTML and, and, and we had, you know, some Perl scripts back in the day where we would have to learn to write Perl. Well, that gave way to more, um, you know, PHP and then um, the .NET stuff and then Java and um, and I remember having to make that decision one day, do I learn Java or do I learn .NET? Because I just didn't have the capacity to learn both of them. And every time there's a new technology, it's the ability to learn and to, you know, um, absorb quickly. So, and that's one of the things that I would say that um, college was really about. Now, I know college has a lot of, you know, subject matter expertise. You know, yes, you learned what an if-then um, statement is and all that. but uh, one thing I learned in there was it wasn't and I remember sitting in class and going, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn this subject, but what I really got to figure out is what is important to the professor as opposed to what is actually important in the subject matter. And that ability to kind of assert, discern and, and learn and absorb quickly um, has been really a cornerstone for me because as new technologies come out, you got to get on, you got to pick them up quickly. So, um, and I think that's actually a skill that you learn is how to learn. It, it is. And I think you, you touched on something as well about learning what was relevant to your professor is interesting. Yeah. Um, so you, you had learning with a purpose and you mm-hmm. had a, a particular, I suppose, direction in terms of the way you, you approached it. We did. And I remember, um, and, I, and I've done this in, through my consulting career, you know, that really has done well for me as well, because uh, a lot of times I will go into a, an organization and whether it's an IoT solution, whether it was a, I did, you know, um, Salesforce for a number of years, I've done uh, all kinds of technology consulting. And that's one of the skills when I get guys out of college, um, they, a lot of, a lot of times they have the hard skills, like, you know, these guys coming out of college these days can, can write code faster than I can type an email. Um, but that soft skill of learning to actually be able to understand what the client needs, what it is that they want, understand um, what their problem is. <clears throat> I always say that 
I don't have, you know, there's always somebody smarter than me. I always assume I'm the dumbest guy in the room. Um, and I always know that, you know, there's always somebody there that can do something faster, better, and quicker than I can. And I figured out that I have one um, marketable skill in the consulting world. Uh, and it's that I make people feel comfortable. And that ability was a, it's a learned skill over time to be able to understand, empathize, and then be able to understand what they think is important. And it's amazing what happens when a customer or I don't you can do it in your relationships or whatever, when somebody feels like they're understood, like when a client feels like you understand my need, it's, you know, there's this big sigh, there's this big relief. And now it's just a matter of what I call typing, right? I understand what you need. And now we just got to do the typing. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Okay. Rob, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, I would say um, every every IT guy has had that. Um, um, I don't know. It's it is a a lump in the throat your stomach just you know melts um and it's when you know you realize you have lost data you have lost code you know you didn't back something up you didn't um you know the client comes up and says you we just you know deleted everything and i had one time i was actually i was working at this company and we were doing actually um you know it was desktop publishing or something and there was a big server sitting at the at the front of the room. And that server, you know, back in those days, we had I don't know, seven gigs attached to the server. You know, it was a big deal, right? And it had a bunch of images on it because we were, um, I was helping them automate their catalog production. And, you know, there's a big room, people busy around, um, you know, moving about. And, and the server was sitting in the middle of the room and there was a dialog box up on the server that, you know, just said, you know, yes or no. And I just went up and I hit return and, and said, okay, that's it. And all of a sudden everything disappeared. <laughs> all seven gigs. Apparently somebody before me inadvertently hit the keys that hit select all and hit delete. And they didn't hit the confirmation button. And there was this dialog box sitting up there and I needed to use the server. And I thought, well, I'll just hit it. So I, I hit, I hit okay, confirm. And so after that day, I I have um, never, uh, you know, never nonchalantly hit a um, con- an okay on a dialogue box. <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> worth knowing what you're okaying or accepting, isn't it? Yeah, as it is. But I remember, oh, your heart just drops into your stomach. Like, I bet oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe something a little bit more positive. Can you tell us about your career highlights so far? Uh, I'll have to say that was the the Amazon acquisition. You know, um, yeah. that was definitely a, a highlight. Um, we uh, there was a bunch of us that were working together, and we were doing Salesforce consulting, and so we decided, you know, this back then we were calling it machine to machine, not IoT. And you know, I remember the first time I saw an MQTT feed, and I saw data flowing through, and I thought that is just the coolest thing, and you know, we hooked up a car and we could, as we're driving in the car, we could have a web app that showed us the speed. Now there's another useless thing, right? Being able to see the speed of a car that you're in 
and there's a speedometer <laughs> right in front of you, right? But it yeah. was just it was just the whole idea that oh my gosh, we have this device, it's connected, it's sending data to the internet, and we have an application that we're looking at that coming down. Um, we starved for you know three or four years there. It was you know startups are tough. They're, it's a very very difficult road, and there are there are startup people, and then there are you know corporate people, and I think the two shall never meet. Um, but it was a tough road. And then uh, uh, we actually, the story of how we got acquired, we were actually trying to sell our technology to Salesforce. And in order to prove out our system, we had to spin up this, this huge emulation of, you know, you just can imagine somebody saying, okay, well, I need you to prove to me that you can have 1 million simultaneous connections over a period of a week or something. So the infrastructure that we had to use to you know, do that plus the infrastructure we had to spin up in order to simulate a million users was was pretty significant at the time. So we spun up all these ET, EC2 instances and we were trying to get this thing to work. And I actually got a call from Amazon and says, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> and please stop that. Um, <laughs> so they and that's what opened the discussions, and they ultimately ended up acquiring us. Yeah, that's a good story. Yes, yeah, definitely. That was definitely a highlight. Yeah, absolutely. And what excites you about the future? So obviously, technology is evolving all the time. Is there anything that particularly grabs your attention or you feel that's, you know, where your interest lies or could be the next big thing? Well, and that's, you know, I've kind of spent my career um, trying to find the next big thing. In fact, you know, I remember, um, you know, I built my first e-commerce site in like the early 90s and by 1998. You know, things are really starting to move on there. Um, I remember I built um, I, I built a you know build your own website application, and thought that well, no, no one ever be using that. And I remember I'm actually uh, in addition to being CTO of, of Thinglogix, I'm also a cattle rancher, so I live on a ranch in in um, Central Oregon. And I remember one day going, I was out in the field, and I was you know had been working and um, doing consulting for the last you know five or six years, and I remember always thinking that, you know, I'm always behind the curve. I'm always just missing it. I always wanted to be ahead. So I remember I was out in the field and I remember said, okay, if you're so damn smart, Rob, then what do you think is the next big thing? What is it that's coming? And I, without, without a shadow of a doubt, I thought it's IoT. It's connecting those devices. Um, well, I think I was, I don't know if I was right or, or just reading the signs correctly, but we were early. Um, and there's there's problems with being early. So, and I always say, you know, even at ThingLogix, we've we have um, designed a solution for a problem that most people don't know they have yet. So we're yeah. just kind of waiting for people to have the problem. Um, That's the balance, isn't it, between being early and too early? It is, and that is that is also one of the things that I've, you know, in my later years now, have realized that being on the cutting edge or the bleeding edge is, is, is kind of fun and exciting, but it's not as profitable as being right behind that and into yeah. kind of that sweet spot. Um, but what excites me for um, IT in the future is really the disappearing of, you know, the laptop and the computer and the browser. And um, I want to, you know, three or four, five years from now, you and I will have this conversation and we'll say, you remember we used to, spin up a browser and you know and my, my my other kids are gonna go what's a browser and why did you do that you mean you had to go to a computer and this the internet is going to like you know disappear or 
at the same time become ubiquitous everywhere. You know, it started with Alexa and Google Home and these kinds of things where we can now interact with connectivity without going to www anything, right? Um, yeah. You know, our phones are starting to connect that way, and now as devices start to connect that way, you know, things are just going to kind of disappear and we won't really need, you know, I mean, I hope email dies a, a very quick death because I think that's also an antiquated <laughs> technology. I can't stand email. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to start to disappear and we're going to start getting more, you know, hologram technology, I think is pretty exciting. AR and VR um, technologies are very exciting. Those kinds of interfaces where we can now interact with the world because of our devices are connected. And now these new UIs are going to give us a whole different experience of what um, connecting between you know people and things are going to be. Yeah, I think that's a conversation we could have for a whole episode about the future oh, and what, what it oh, holds. Indeed. But yeah. uh, I want to move into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Sure. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I call it the crack cocaine of coding. Um, it was, never, it's basically hello world, right? I remember writing, um, Java came out and I was trying to figure out what, what this all meant. I, I remember writing a web page that I, you know, a simple add to basket and display a, it was display a product, add it to the basket. Um, and I did it. And once you see it working, it was, that was, you know, that's like, oh, I want to do some more. I want to do some more. Yeah. Um, and then when you see other people using stuff that you created, then that becomes the hook. Like I, you just can't get enough from that. Exactly. So it's that, it's that first kind of, Oh my God, look what I did. And, and I had the similar experience in, in IOT one time I was, I was trying to had back way back. We were trying, I was trying to make an Arduino have my light turn on from my computer, you know, and I had all this stuff and I was soldering stuff. I was at the kitchen table and I finally had turned the light on and, and um, I showed my wife, I go, look, I, t- I can turn that light on. And she's like, you're going to clean all this up, aren't you? you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, not everybody's attracted to it, but that, you know, that's the, that's the, the, um, the thing that keeps you coming back. Yes. Yeah. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, that's a good question. I think, um, the best career advice that someone ever gave me. Um, I think that had to be um, uh, a thing that always kind of drives me. And I don't remember who the guy was. It was a, a motivational speech. And I was trying to, I come from, you know, my family for ranchers and whatnot. So they had nothing to do with IT and um, becoming an entrepreneur was definitely not within our, our wheelhouse. But I remember one guy, you know, and it's a common saying you hear it uh, many times. Um, you know, shoot for the stars. And if you miss, you you land up on the moon. Uh, And I remember, you know, that is a double-edged sword. If you're going to shoot, if you're going to always be swinging for the fence, you know, it's not an actually comfortable place to be sometimes. Um, But I will say that, um, you know, when I'm 90 years old and sitting on the porch, uh, I won't be going, "Mm, I wish I had tried. Mm, I wish I had tried. (laughs) I tried it all. Yeah. Yeah. No regrets. And conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? <laughs> uh, don't worry, we're going to go IPO and we'll pay you then. Um, <laughs> what's the worst career? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and we had, um, uh, I had built in the late 90s, I actually built, and I still have it today, a, a travel engine 
um, for a company. And, you know, because back then everybody was going IPO. Everybody's going to go IPO and say, all right, well, we'll give you a million shares. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. I actually built it. It went IPO. It was a travel company. It went IPO in, um, in uh, January of 2001. And I could start selling in September 15th of 2001. Well, on September 11th, 2001, the travel industry all went yep. away. And so that was all for naught. I ended up keeping the code, but, um, you know, back, you know, it's always uh, difficult to do. So I continue to do it, but, you know, I think it's uh, the worst advice is don't worry, we'll pay you on the back end. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would, and, you know, it's funny, my, my son actually works for ThingLogix and he, you know, um, we actually started an internship program down at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. And I started when he and, you know, and several of his buddies were, were freshmen. Uh, and they started coming up and at that time we were doing IOT and we were working with Amazon. So they have kind of grown up, you know, uh, if you will, uh, doing serverless cloud type computing. Um, just a couple of months ago, you know, one of them asked me, he said, um, and this is, this, the guy's a brilliant programmer and he's, you know, the architect behind a lot of the stuff that we do. But he said, uh, what exactly is a server? What's an on-prem server? <laughs> 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 this is now where we're starting. Um, so to begin, and I would, and the, um, kids, these, the kids coming out of college today, I always say, yeah, it's, you know, I would start in the cloud. I would start where we are kind of going, you know, and whether that is, you know, Salesforce consulting, whether that's AWS or Azure or Google, any of that stuff, but all of that cloud kind of computing, um, that's where I would start today because that I think is just the upside. Um, there's still yeah. a lot of, I did mainframe computing and there's a statistic out there that I'm not sure that some incredible percentage of data is still processed by mainframes and COBOL programs and a lot of that still exists but that's not where you want to be that's not where you're I don't know what's going to happen when all those gray-haired guys coding um, you know ZOS on IBM mainframes what happens to them and where's that code go but you know it's the the future of computing I, I believe is cloud yes and what career objectives are you currently focusing on I am focusing on staying off of the bleeding edge <laughs> for my, for the last part of my career. And I've been doing this a long time and I've always, like I say, I've always wanted to be out there. Um, for the last part of my career, I want to be just shy of the bleeding edge. I want to be just hanging back and let somebody else kind of, um, you know, forge those, those paths and, um, you know, pick up on, you know, kind of where that sweet spot is. So, but, that's for me um, and where I'm at in my career. Yeah. Uh, I would still think, you know, I had a, um, a buddy of mine, he's just coming out, um, his son, he asked me that. He goes, what, sh what should I do? And, and one of the things that I told him, I go, I have failed more times in my life than I have succeeded. And I said, you're young. And I go, you have got at least 10 or 15 failures in you between now and when you have to retire. So, you know, take the, take the chance and you want to go to a startup and you want to see how it's going to go and you have a passion for what they're doing, you know, you, you have time to fail um, and you have time to recover. So, but for me in my career, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. So I'm going to hang just back yep. at the edge. <laughs> I think that's good advice about failure. 
Um, and it, it's about stretching your capabilities isn't it it? Is. and, and yeah. being a little bit uncomfortable in what you do, yeah. um, but trying different things as yeah. well. And, and you never know which one of those potential failures will actually succeed. Exactly. And what one, you know, and maybe it's yeah. not necessarily and in, in programming, you know, the negative condition is, is a lot of times more powerful than the positive condition, you know? Um, so finding out what you don't like and finding out that I don't like to do this thing or I don't like to do that is probably at least is, is more valuable than finding, oh, well, I love this. And when I am um, even in consulting, people say, okay, well, <clears throat> you'd come and help us. And I say, I can, I will tell you what not to do. I'm never the guy who can say, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. And you've got to go down that way, but I can keep you from going off the rails because I know what, where to go. So I, I know more about what not to do than I know what to do. But a lot of times that is um, as valuable, if not more valuable. It is indeed. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Uh, uh, ranching. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I would say that, um, uh, and I've been ranching, you know, my whole life. Um, and it is, and there's always, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but it, it truly is a, a, a balance. And, you know, uh, I will sit and I will code or architect or, you know, design something in, in the office. And, and then at some point, I guess I just get exhausted, right. And you get tired and, you know, there's the, the adage that, you know, most of the great ideas happen when you're asleep or something. And so I will every day, you know, I do my ranch chores and, you know, I get up at five and I'll do ranch chores till probably seven. And then I'm in the office from seven till probably four or five. And then I got evening chores I got to do, but it's that time when you're away from it. It's that time when you're um, doing, you know, completely away that it, you can really problem solve really when you relax a little bit. And, you know, the answers and the solutions kind of flow. And when you're trying to force it, it's so hard and it, and you make bad decisions. So um, that, you know, ability to go out and, you know, whether I'm, you know, changing water or herding cows or loading cows in or out or calving or what, what have you, it's those, um, it, it's a time when it is my um, time to really kind of contemplate what's going on. And I noticed that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of tech guys. I've noticed that, you know, there's a lot of tech guys that have, these hobbies, you know, they're, and they're usually, there's a lot of musicians. You find a lot of programmers that are musicians. A lot of them do woodworking or metalworking or some kind of skill with their, you know, hands that keeps them out of their head for a little bit. And I think that any of those non-technical skills are, are, will actually enhance your technical abilities. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good advice. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Well, that's a good question, and I, um, um, I'm, and I don't know that I would, um, you know, recommend this to everybody because it is exhausting. But I'm always, you know, researching and looking for the next thing. Um, you know, we have, um, you know, one of the other things that we started to come out with at ThingLogics was, you know, I believe SMS messaging. I said earlier, I think email's dead, and I do. I, think, I don't think we should ever send another email ever. SMS and text messaging and any of those types of messaging, I think, is a new thing. And, it, and I started using text messaging, you know, to communicate with my customers in my little beef business and realized that, oh, my God, it is so much more effective, you know, than email. I can get better answers. I get better responses. So I started looking for an, another, uh, you know, we started developing another company it's called Chirply that we built on top of our technology that does SMS messaging. 
But really that thing that excites you and that keeps you energized is, is that time when you are away from it and you have a little bit of time to kind of think and dream for a little bit um, and you come up with another idea. Now, my problem is yeah. I follow every idea I get and I shouldn't, but it does keep that energy and excitement going. Exactly. Yes. And I know the next question you probably answered already, but I want to want to ask it anyway, because there may be a little bit more for you to share. So what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Yeah, I'm on the ranch. Um, yep. 100%, yeah, 100% of the time. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, our little town here, and I'm in Bend, Oregon, and uh, we have a lot of <clears throat> breweries here. So uh, we actually pick up spent grains from the breweries and we feed that to the cows. Um, so as a rancher, I'm pretty involved in the community. I'm, you know, involved with, um, you know, water conservation and, you know, water is a big deal for all of us and, um, especially ranchers, um, but everybody in general, obviously, but, um, so I'm involved in that, but it's, it's, you know, um, it's fixing fence and it's doing anything else on the ranch that needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the interview now, but. Rob, can you share a parting piece of career advice? <sighs> you know, I always, like I was saying, I, I always consider myself the guy who's doing, who knows what not to do more than I know what to do. Um, but I guess um, I would say, I, w- I would follow up on that statement. Um, you know, I think a lot of times what happens in your career is everybody's, and I've seen this in my own kids' life. So, well, you know, what do, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What do I want to my be my career to be? You know, and they feel like you have to solve that problem. Um, a lot of times, I think, well, I you know, I went to school and I got a degree in electrical engineering, but I don't like it. Um, uh, or I got a degree in this, or and even when picking the degree, it's like this big pressure on you that says, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And I think the the parting piece of advice is saying, you don't, you know, get rid of that question. Get rid of the idea of saying, what am I going to do as if it is a permanent long thing? What you need to do is be more fluid, you know, try it. If you find something that interests you, I don't care if it's, I have one of my sons, he he was, he's a technologist. The other son, he liked cooking. Um, He said, well, I don't know if I can make a living. I go, it doesn't really matter. Go try it. Yeah, he found out he loves cooking, but he hates trying to cook for a living. Um, so, you know, so there's those things and it's okay. It is okay for you to say, you know what, I'm going to try this and it's okay for you not to like it and go do something completely different. So I guess, yeah, the big piece is, you know, don't, don't get caught up in that, what I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life or the next 10 years. No, it's what you're going to have to do today and tomorrow, maybe next week or this month and maybe this year. But you know, it's not the, it's not the entire life that you have to do this and that sometimes takes the pressure off you know yeah and rob where can we find out more about you and connect with you uh yeah so i'm on linkedin would love to connect uh yes and thing logics has a a website i i I think i have an email address but like you say i can say i don't look at it very much um (laughs) but um yeah you can connect with you can connect with me on uh, linkedin and um, and Twitter and Facebook and all the regular social medias as well. Great. Rob, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks, Phil. I really appreciate you having us. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website 
at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.